2: It is another special moment here on Prime Tech as we speak to a man who has shown so much love when it comes to football, a man who has invested his energy, his time, his resources into football. Rose, when he came to the governance of football as the vice president of the Ghana Football Association, also became a management committee chairman of the Ghana of the senior national team, the Black Stars. Well, he contested for the position of president of the football governing body in 2019. It never went his way. And as you recall vividly, in the second round, after um, the election or the results were counted, there was a third round. But he decided that at this point, let me uh, throw in the towel and uh, hand over power to... Keto Kreku to be voted president of the Ghana Football Association. And again, the following day, um, the world or the media space uh, saw a video of him congratulating the GFA president, the then-elect GFA president, which is Keto Kreku. Now, he's throwing his hat again into the race for the position of president of the Ghana Football Association. I guess by now, you have an idea about the person I'm talking about. He is George Aquisi Efri. He's my guest tonight on Prime Take. Mr. George. Thank you very much for your time. Thank
3: you, thank you. You look good. Oh, you look good too. I like the cap and the glasses. Ah, thank you, thank you.
2: (laughs) What is the secret? Well,
3: um, I'm a fashion freak person. Uh, Yes, if if you love fashion sometimes, you want to change your looks, but it's good to stay healthy. Being a fashion freak, it's good, but then it's good to stay healthy and then... you leave the rest of the world to judge you how they see you.
2: Uh, so if you were not into football, uh, what would you have been doing? Uh, well, apart from
3: f- football, I love cars. Um, I've been involved with cars, uh, automobile, in different aspect, And uh, I also love farming. Uh, I'm a village boy. Um, both sides of my family from the mother's side, the father's side, my great-great-grandfathers were fishermen and all that. And so, and my mom's side, I see my great-grandmother and my grandmother, they were farmers. I mean, they were cocoa farmers. Okay. And so And so, I see myself, I see the future of Africa that we need to invest in farming. I think that if you had the opportunity to travel out of the, this country and you see how nations have developed, if you, especially, specifically I want to talk about Japan, U.S., Canada, and you, 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 then you have to know that as a young man or as any person who, who come from a background of some farmers, you need to take farming seriously because look, we are blessed this country, we are blessed to have natural lands. I mean, lands that are fertile to grow f- all sort of um, crops and fruits for our well-being. And so I think that I love to go into serious, serious, serious farming. I, I'm, doing, I'm doing it already, okay. but, but I think that I can do more. I'm trying to woo some investors into the country, and to into to to go into serious farming.
2: Uh, uh, When you say you are from, or you are a village boy, which village are you from? (laughs) Uh, I'm somehow a cry a
3: boy when it comes to. I'm a Gandangbu boy, yeah. And then on the other side, to I'm the Achim Ashanti and Ashanti Achim
2: boy. Uh, How?
3: Yeah, you know, um, the history shows where my great um, grandparents migrated from. In a, a village called Jimechi. Okay. Uh, within the Ashanti regions. Okay. And most of them settled in Achim and the achim lands. Oh, okay. So they migrated first, settled in Agogo. Okay. Bompata, Cochrane, Tumi. And then Kwetia. These were the areas, Usino, these were the areas where the family from the other side of my family. And then from here, it's purely between the greater Accra. So it's just Accra and Adam. So where were you born? Okay, so I was born in Accra. Then you're an Accra
2: boy. (laughs) (laughs) So you're not from
3: a village. (laughs) No, but, but I grew up partly in some villages. Some villages, yes. I, I grew up partly in some villages, but right. sometimes, yeah, it because um, a story was told. Sometimes I need to say this the story was told that uh, my grandmother, yeah, my mother, to be, to be honest with you, my mother, um, my father attended Bompata Training College. Oh, okay. And uh, <laughs> met my mom, a young lady. And impregnated her and ran away. <laughs> oh God. That's if if that was self so the that audience, you, that's me. That's me. So do you know your father? <laughs> oh yeah, I was living with my father in uh, so after runaway, <laughs> he came back? Oh, yeah. yeah, I have to go chase look for him. <laughs> so how did you find him? Oh it's easy because you know in this country. Once your dad has classmates. yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you will track. <laughs> so one day, yes, I just had to chase my mom and say, hey, you have to take me, go look for that man. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I, my mom took me to a town near Pom. I don't know where, the, you know where the Akosumu, okay. when okay. you're going to Akosumu, yeah. yeah. it's a town yeah. called yeah. Pom. So that's where the, the fathers, they had a, my father's father, had a house there. Oh, okay. Um, so uh, we went there. We found my my grandmother, and my grandmother said, "Your father is a young teacher somewhere at uh, Akosubu.
2: Okay.
3: So that's and we had to trace my dad, and then we met my dad. He was a very handsome, man, a very handsome man.
2: At what age? And, I, and uh, well, I was maybe class two,
3: class three. Okay. And. Uh, i saw the man very nice man and then if you know akosomo very well yeah. i mean the the staff of vira then, yeah. they lives in bungalows and all that so i went with his brother and uh, his brother was uh, tutor at uh, Man secondary school oh, so he took me to the house and my my dad had gone to to fishing as oh, wow. as a teacher yeah yeah he was will to, and then yeah, he, okay. he would go to the Akusumo Dam site to do fishing. And, buy, and sometimes you do fishing and bring fish back home and all that. So I, we got there and he was not there. And then uh, he had a mango tree behind his house. So because the, the brother had a key to his bungalow, yeah. he opened and then I entered. And then I just saw uh, ripe mangoes and climbed the tree and started. You're already homeboy. Yeah. And then the man came and said, Hey, I can up open one from a mango Then the father, the brother had just folded oh, his arms done. and said, I call what baby, and you have run away. So that's the boy. So,
2: so that's, that's been a firebrand for a long time. <laughs> so that that
3: was it. And then he saw me and he was like, Hey, Crazy. I mean that yeah. was uh Wow. Yeah this 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 that's me. So
2: how would you describe your childhood <laughs> beginning? Uh it, it was
3: it was okay because I mean I had some great grandparents, had some good family, um my uncle um one well, of my uncles was Air Force pilot. Two of my uncles were both Airfort, Air Force pilots.
2: Oh, okay.
3: Yes, yes, yes. They were Air Force pilots. And so it, it was easy. And my mom, my mom only sister then, was also living in the UK with a husband. Oh, okay. And so, yeah, we enjoyed life as, as kids. It was, it was a bit rough and tough, but we had some very decent upbringing, very decent one.
2: And um, I'm, I'm sure that decent upbringing um, created an opportun- uh, some kind of opportunities for you, right? Oh, yes. I mean, it, it, those of us who
3: are more than 50 years, <laughs> those of us who are it more, than, more 50 than 50 years, years. Year. If, you know, if, if you know the culture that existed between the, in Ghana, you see, you are being guided how to grow up. There was nothing like, a free life where if you are lucky to come from a home like mine where both parents my mom was a teacher my dad was a teacher later became a politician my dad became my father was once at the CPP General Secretary for Sui so man later became CPP Secretary oh, wow. for yes became CPP Secretary for East, Eastern Region he became the head of Vigilante you heard of the Vigilante yeah yeah became the head of Vigilante uh, he was a very nice man Anybody who know my father will tell you that he was a, a very very nice man. And so my mom was MPP woman organizer, and you know those... Then the, you the, were the,
2: born into a political. Yeah, role. yeah, yeah.
3: The CPPs later. My grandmother, my father's, my father's mother's sister yeah. was top NDC woman, head of the women something and those. And so both sides of my family, my, my dad's side was in the. CPP, PPP. NDC, my mom's side was in the MPP and so I saw them doing their own thing and as a young man and I, I was a different person.
2: Oh, so if you are a politician, isn't it? I, can well, I
3: was born into a political family, no doubt about that. I was, and then, then and um, both sides of my, my family, each side's have serious political lineage into the two poli- big political parties in this country.
2: How would you describe your educational journey then?
3: Well, initially it was smooth but along the line maybe after polytechnic education I, I felt that this country was not meant for me. I, I see myself um, as uh, someone who really wanted to make it in life and I felt the The pace of life in Ghana is not the one that I want to. I felt that I must go out there to see what is in stock for me. That is how come my early ages, I traveled out of this country to live in Japan. Uh, A lot of people don't know that. My uncle's best friend, best, best friend, one of my uncles who was an Air Force pilot. In fact, he was the first Ghanaian. To bring private airlines to this country, called Pioneer Airlines. My uncle, one of the the one who passed, the one who had a plane crash, was if you um, you are still young. I mean, back in the days, you remember there was a story of a Ghanaian pilot, um, Air Force pilot, who had a plane crash on the Ghana-Togo border. One okay. of them was my uncle.
2: Oh, okay.
3: Yeah, and so. Initially, everything was okay, but I wanted to take something different. I wanted to take something different, so maybe along the line, I had to abandon education and to do some hustling life, and then later to upgrade myself to the way you see me today. And why Japan? Okay, so I had uncles and friends who said, Charlie, the place is good, is this and that and that. I've heard stories of it. And so I said, well, why not try it? So let's give it a try. But it wasn't a place that I enjoyed initially. I went to Japan, spent like less than four years, and then came back, lived for a while, and then went back again. So when um, Dr. Oh, let me, one of the former ambassadors, Okay. I just want to remember the name, became the ambassador. He happens to be an uncle's oh. very good friend. Oh okay. And then he felt that he could even offer me a position to serve at the embassy. But oh, okay. at that time I wasn't really for it. And so I wanted to do my own thing. And so I went straight into business. I went straight into having my own doing my own thing because I have then been able to live for a while, make some friends, build some contacts, yeah. and I realized that there was a lot that I could do in that society. Oh, okay. uh-huh. So I, 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 I left that big opportunity to serve for my country and all that to do my own business and that was what kept me in Japan for a while before I returned back again. But during that period there wasn't a single time that i stayed like one whole year without visiting ghana oh okay about three four months i'm in ghana back again three four months i'm in ghana oh and yes 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 i was one of the first ghanaians who started doing business from ghana to japan you know early days, the early day ghanian residents in japan were mostly hustlers there were people who were working they were teachers they were lecturers they were other others, I mean qualified professionals who were doing their own thing but then the other few Ghanaians that had gone on pure hustling working in the factories and all that were staying and working. It took few of us to take the bold initiative and we thanks to Pre- President Kufour who offered that opportunity. It took, it took President Kufur to say that look, there are opportunities for guys, young guys like you who have stayed in this country to make money, to return back home, to invest. That's how come you go to East Lagon, you find guys like Anjehe Hotel, Irata Hotel, yeah. Men's Vic Hotel, Mnj. These are all guys who decided that having stayed in Japan,
1: having... don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket?
3: work they haven't making money, having make money we want to return back home and invest so most of them invested in the hospitality business some went into real estate like my good self i also choose the real estate business you understand i did automobile for a while and then later i felt that let me go into the real estate business we no, we did it in a very small scale but some of my friends like uh, angie hill and uh, irata and uh, mensvik they did it in big, large scale. They have so, the own lot of So
2: those, the, the hotels, most of the hotels in East Laguna, they are your, your, your party. Yeah, they are, they are, they are my, my oh, body, 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 body. Oh, I see. But why didn't you also go to the hospitality side?
3: Well, we cannot not do the same thing. See, my passion for football. That's how come sometimes when we meet, they, they keep laughing at me because, yeah this is going to go here and go for mine, all that, you see. We can all not have the same kind of, you understand? Some must do something differently. And for me, my passion was football. I've always developed that passion, great passion for football. Did you play football? Well, not to... The amateur level? Or yeah, you play as a pastime? Oh, no, no. We played, we played football, but not to that level where you wanted to see some of us. But along the line, my interest was to be an agent, a oh, football okay. agent.
2: agent.
3: Oh, okay. I started with players like um, Kenneth Sapon, the late uh, Suman Dazi, and a few others I wanted to try. In fact, at the point, I wanted to even manage Aziz Ansar.
2: Oh, okay. Yeah.
3: On, go go right yeah. yeah, I wanted to manage him. I remember when uh, Dr. Kwambani, interviewed him at uh, Adum. I accompanied him to that famous interview. I think when he won the best defender of the year or something. He was playing, then playing for Kumanse. So my passion was purely for football. It was so, so even though I was into business and I was doing my own business, I was into automobile and all
2: that, my pure passion was football. And... Considering the fact that you were born into a political home uh, why didn't you follow the footsteps of your your mother your father your uncles but you went to football
3: well or you are still at a politician? The point at the point I still have politics in me but I'm still doing football politics at the point I, mean, I was contem- at the point I was contemplating let me be fair I was contemplating going into serious Politics, main, mainstream, politics. Part, multi-party politics. I've been considering it, and maybe who knows, I still have all that interest. You should have the interest because you see, out somebody must effect a change. That's my belief. Somebody somehow must effect a change in this country. out in football, we are not fortunate. Maybe in our early days we didn't we saw the business aspect, but it was the passion to help Ghana football. That was maybe our mistake. Unlike today, people think that hey, let's make money. That was our mistake. Our mistake was that we should help the society. We should help grow the sport in this country. That was our interest. At what point exactly did you get into football? Early 2000, 2001, 2002. Early 2000. I mean, when, it's, when I want to talk about mainstream. Yeah. Mainstream. 2000, 2001, 2002. Okay, so in 1996, in 1996, 27 years ago, Ghana qualified for the Atlanta Olympics. Yeah. And Ghana camped in Japan. Proud to go into Atlanta. Okay. So the Ghana Olympic team traveled to Japan to play the Japan Olympic team before they they played to
2: Atlanta for the competition. For the
3: competition, I was then living in Japan, and my passion drove me straight to the team. I went to the team hotel. I met them and players like Augustine Ahimfo, Joe Ado, Simon Ado, Afododu, Du, um, now captain, former captain CK Akono, yeah. uh, Osei Kufuo. These were players that uh, were my friends. I met them and then took them round, did some sh- big shopping for them, and then I remember very well that even in 1996, I went to the electronic hub of Japan, a place called Akihabara. Akihabara in Tokyo is the electronic hub where all the electronics that you can think of, or if you are a foreigner and you walk to Tokyo and you want to buy any electronic to your country, that's where you can have the 220 voltage, because yeah. mostly, so it's electronic hub. I drove to... Akiabara and picked three players of the national team and bought circle watches 10 for them back in 1996. You, you, you are rich, or you are so rich? No, it's it, sometimes it's not about how much you have in your bank account or how much you have on you, it's about I don't know whether you have followed football back in the days. The people who love football, who are spending money with football, we're not doing it to get, because they are so rich and they want to pat. They, they are moved by the love of the sport to spend on footballers. I can count, look, in my early upbringing, in, in following football in Ghana, and I want to talk about Accra Great Olympics, and I want to talk about Kumasiya kotoko In Kumasiya kotoko you had people like the man who, if you have heard of a Sujaman, man yeah the man the man who deals in plywood and the uh, tng and other i saw that man kujo and those days he spent on players like nobody's business what's that despite yeah spends on players like nobody's business there was a man who used to work for gasem it's called mr Edu. yeah
2: they
3: would give players money the offering your calls, the Yaobe yes, yes, and yes. they were just spending on players. Generous. So, we, we, we copied from the love that we had for players. We, we, we copied that from our old, older uh, uh, seniors, about yes. our seniors. And then we also developed that because when I was growing up and I saw that, and I was in Japan, and the national team, the L- Ghana Olympic team, had visited Japan. And me going to their team hotel, taking pictures with them and moving around with them. I wanted to show them that, hey, Charlie, need to have that kind of spirit in me. You've come to my home. Let me tell you, I gave each one of the 23 players a Pele Pele jeans. Each one of them. Each one of them. Each one of the 23, under 23 players. Each one of them. Each one of them. Was that but your
2: initiation into football? It wasn't. An, it was just a passion and a love I have yeah, for the Yes, so but because but, but having done that, you probably would, thought, uh, would have thought, OK, why not get into India and then just do it at a bigger scale? You see, even when
3: I became an executive committee member, the era when Nanabudu, Alaji Raji, were under-17 management members. Yeah. The chairman was um, Mr. Wenya yeah. former chairman of the Ghana Football Association. Yeah. He was the chairman of the national under-17 management team. Some of the members were Ubed Nananketia, Chelsea boss, Alahaji yeah. Raji, Nanabudu. They were members of the under-17 management team. They took the national Under-17 team to Japan for a preparation towards the Under-17 World Cup in 2007 in Korea. Yeah. So a preparation to go to the World Cup in Korea. I remember. They, they camped in Japan. I flew from here, went to Japan, got a Japanese friend of mine to spend on the team with cash, and circle watches for the entire team. Entire team. The entire team. When the team left Japan to Korea, I followed the team to Korea. There was a match between uh, Brazil. There was an eight-nation tournament, proud to the main main World Cup. And Ghana played Brazil. I drove to the team hotel They had just played, I think, Haiti. They had just played Haiti or Brazil. And I saw the players in bathroom sandals. The national under-17 team was in a bathroom sandal, all of them. This one is wearing Charawati, this one is wearing that, that one is wearing that, that one is wearing that. And we were being kitted by Puma. So they were in their Puma. House where Puma and but with the they had no uniformed slippers.
2: Yeah.
3: I drove to Itaewon, a place in Korea called Itaewon Night Market, and bought a Puma sneaker for the entire team. I was not a member of the team. I had just traveled to visit them. These are things I have done for teams. National team of Ghana. But I
2: also recall that during you know your club days, was it Gamba All Black? Right. I've, a video of you surfaced many years ago where you were like, people said I couldn't do it, I've done it. When you have going to find that, I, I remember all that. Talk us through the journey of you getting into club football and subsequently into getting to the leadership position at the FA. All
3: will return to the premiership
2: and he scores! Sudan blocks are back
3: into the elite. Division. They've had their hopes totally
2: shattered on the day. Lighted <laughs> and I'm the moment. It's absolutely many people
3: have said so many things about this team that all blocks can never come. There are so many goals. There are so many things against this team. But I was based to prove a point that a young man like me can bring this team back. And I assure everybody, we are not going back.
2: We are back for good. Thank you very much.
0: Congratulations.
3: Okay, so this is how it started. Um, I had a friend living in Sweden
2: okay.
3: who approached me that the good old All blacks has gone down deep down to the lower divisions, after George, the late George the George Dusepoku had left the team, and the team has sunk deep, like way down to like division two levels. This was a Premier Division club, team that has I think won the FA Cup, by then. With players like Baba Amando and Co. So, he said, George, we have seen your passion for football. We think that you can help revive and bring the team back to its rightful position initially i wasn't interested because my passion then was to manage players my passion was to just help players get opportunities into the international footballing world Uh, but along the line the pressure was coming and as a young man who had returned from japan with some cash in my back account the guys will come to me and when they, they see the way I'll spread them and Charlie, this man we must get him to Swedro at all costs. So I accepted the challenge. We went, realized that yes, the team was in a division two, was a division two club. And uh, I felt like, well, let me give it a try. So right away I decided to put certain things in place, make sure that they are well kitted, get them the team bars, put them into a professional clubhouse and all that. I started to turn things around. We tried to qualify from the Central Region Division 2. In my first year, we qualified for the finals of the Central Region Division 2. We played against Chakao 4, a team called Chakao 4. We lost in the final. They beat us 4-2. We couldn't qualify. The following year, I was to do it again. Then. Um, Someone told me there's a team in the Secondit Takrade environs called Bafana Bafana. And the owner, George Phobia, popular known Phobia supporter, said he wants to sell the team Bafana Bafana. So then I look at the cost of playing in the division two again, as against buying the slot of Bafana Bafana, which was in the same zone, zone two.
2: Okay.
3: Then I found it
2: Prudent, cheaper,
3: less cost to buy the slot, and then so that's how come we bought the slot of Bafana Bafana, and then we changed the name